<laughs> Welcome to On the Game Trail, guys. We are on episode nine, and we are sitting here with Neil Overbay from Hit or Miss Archery, um, and Erica as well. And uh, so, Neil, uh, let's go ahead and start a little bit. When did you actually start opening, or when did you open up Hit or Miss Archery? So actually, we're getting ready to celebrate this week our four-year anniversary. So we opened up um, in 2014, and we basically opened up Hit or Miss Archery, started out as a club, and the whole reason it started out, I was out on an elk hunt actually in Unit 15 and made a bad shot on an elk. And it's actually not one of those fish stories, it's actually the truth. Like I, it's probably one of the biggest bulls I'll ever get to see in the wild. and made a bad shot on him, never found him. And I remember literally dropping my bow and praying. I'm like, God, I'm so sorry I wounded this animal. I can't believe this happened. And I'm gonna start dedicating myself to this sport. So we started a club and our club grew from about five when we first started to about 30. And then after we were about 30 people to constantly come to the club every, every month having shoots down there in the Bosque, we decided that we needed to come up with a name, so everybody thought of names. We put them in a hat and drew, or I guess we didn't put them in a hat, we threw them on the table and then we decided we were gonna vote on it and we all voted through our votes and in there and pulled out and hit or miss was the was the winner by far. So that's how we came up with well, the that's name. That's a perfect name for sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, it's either you hit it or you miss it and that's it, you know. I sat there and I'm like, how did they come up with that name? But that's a good story. Yeah, You know. <laughs> so that's how it came about. So four years now we've been here. Awesome, four years, that's good. And you guys are holding strong in, in everything, and very busy, all that. And I noticed you guys have actually won some awards in the past four years then. Yeah, um, so when we first started out, the bow manufacturers wouldn't put bows in our shop. So it was kind of one of those deals where we were trying to buy them through distributors and then turn around and sell them for very, very little profit and not making very much money on our product when we first opened. So. The more, you, the more you sell, the bigger numbers you do, the more discount you get. So being that we were brand new, we, we, didn't, we weren't selling very much product. So, But over the years, yeah, we've been, been blessed enough. We got our first big name, I would say, in the shop was, was Matthews. And they came in about a year and a half in. <clears throat> actually got a phone call from the Matthews rep and they asked us if we were still interested in putting bows in our shop and I said, of course, because we don't really have bows in our shop. So yes, we'd be, we'd be glad to put your bows in our shop. And they said that somebody had sent Matt McPherson, which is the owner of Matthews, they'd sent him an email and some screenshots of our Facebook page or something, and that Matt really liked what we stood for and wanted to get bows in our shop. So they were the first big name in our shop. And after having them in the shop for one year, we were able to win top 100 in the United States dealer. So we ended up, they ended up telling us we ended up finishing 48 year two sale on their bows, 48 in the whole United States. So that was pretty cool. That's a big yeah, award for us. That is, that's good. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. You've expanded <laughs> your shop quite a bit. I don't know if you want to tell guys about the new shooting range. This is almost, was it 24-7? Yeah, so right now where we're doing this podcast, just so you guys know, we're in our, in our new 24-hour range. So... Um, well, the reason this came about was the shop was starting to get so busy on on evenings and on weekends that there was no room to shoot at the at our at our regular pro shop. Um, we do have a 40 yard range there, you know, 3D targets, paper targets, and you can sight in your bow all the way to 40 yards. Um, but it was getting very busy on the weekends with birthday parties and events and 
whatever else was going on that it was it was time to do something either find a, a bigger shop or try to figure something out so um, just a couple doors down from where we were at the space came available and we kind of demoed out and rebuilt it and now we have a 24-hour range it's very similar to like a 24-hour um, gym you basically get a key fob we sell you a monthly membership you let yourself in the door and you have 24-hour access to to shoot in here and to we have events in here as well but yeah so we're expanding a little bit and trying to keep it where it's not so busy in the other range yeah I think it's pretty cool um, one of the reasons what I, did I start I, mean, I got into boat hunting was back like in the late like mid 90s late 90s and there was only one shop that I could think of and that was Albuquerque Archery it was off of Manal yeah and uh, when they disappeared you know it was hard to find somewhere to go and so it's pretty cool that Neil opened up here locally and I think a lot of us and if you probably built built a really good customer loyalty ship because when you come here um, you don't feel like you're at least I don't feel like I'm just a, a number and I get I know you guys do a lot of tweaks on my bow and probably numerous bows that a lot of other shops would charge for and when I go and shoot my bow in the shooting range one of the techs always comes out and sees how, how it's going and make sure they made the right tweak or they can tweak it better and a lot of shops charge for that kind of stuff so I almost feel like it's like a really like a real family um, mm -hmm. shop and I think that's what people was to lure to draw people here is that it feels like you're part of the family and and you do I think you really you know you want guys to be out there and make that ethical and uh, true shot on the, when they get that license that they draw finally well what I what I try to tell I appreciate that and what I try to tell my my employees and I've told them from day one when we opened i don't care what your knowledge is about archery if you don't have good customer service then we don't need you to work here at hit or miss archery center so and i and we have meetings every friday and so we we try to really instill customer service and 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 one thing that i've told the guys and it's basically exactly what you just said is if a guy was to go on a hunt and miss a shot or screw up a shot because of work that left here how would we feel about that so we really, really try to take our time and make sure that the customers are set up right. They understand. Um, I mean, I shot a bow for <clears throat> 15 years before I went to my first school on how to learn more about archery, how to shoot, you know, correct correct form. Nobody ever taught me. It was just like I walked into a shop, I bought a bow, and walked out, and it was like, okay, now learn how to shoot this because nobody taught me how to do it. They just said, this is what you need, and I took it and I left. So. For 15 years of shooting archery, I was kind of self-taught and went to my first shooting school and the instructor was like, first thing he said <laughs> is he looked at my form and looked at my draw length and he's like, your draw length's about an inch and a half too short, you know, your form doesn't look all that great. He's all, you really, so then I started learning, the more and more I started learning, the more and more schools I went to and, you know, we've got, um, I got a coaching certification now and all this other things that have really helped me become a better archer and I just really want to pass that on to the customers that walk through the door so that they they're more confident in their in their equipment and their shooting yeah and that's good ed i know you guys do the the classes for kids and so on and so forth as well and you could do a, a what is it a one hour class to we do offer teach. lessons and um we usually ask when somebody schedules a lesson we'll usually ask them well what's your knowledge and that way we kind of know which employee to put that person with if it's somebody that's been shooting a bow for 15 years like i had um, he's going to need a different instructor than the kid that walks in that's never picked up a bow. So, um, but yeah, we do offer one-on-one -on -one lessons. Um, it's about an hour uh, with an instructor, and that usually can help out a lot. And a lot of times, 
the person is not that bad of a, they're actually a decent shot and they can handle a bow fairly well but it comes down to their again their equipment just wasn't set up correctly so yeah. it's amazing how much better you can shoot your bow when your equipment is set up correctly so yeah that's true <coughs> um, when someone comes in that's been shooting for a while and they're asking for tips and trying to group their arrows together you kind of like wash their form and everything and then go from there like we usually do and that's the i usually start like that and that's kind of because that's how i was taught the first very first school i went to um it's not like the instructor just said oh you're doing absolutely horrible what he did was he just didn't say one word and sat there and videoed me and watched me shoot about 15 arrows and then after i shot my 15 arrows he's like all right now we're going to evaluate i'm going to show you why your draw length is too short i'm going to show you why your anchor point is so important where your peep height should be so yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Usually what we'll do, um, we usually check equipment first. Uh, we'll check timing, um, you know, peep height and all that kind of stuff before we even start the lesson. But then once we start the lesson, a lot of times we're still adjusting equipment more than we're adjusting the shooter. Yeah. Gotcha. So if somebody, <coughs> excuse me, so if somebody decided to come in who's never shot a bow and they want to get into it and get involved, what path would you kind of guide them into <coughs> excuse me on purchasing of a bow or practicing of a bow um so that is usually it's usually we try to drive that by price point because we don't want to ever <coughs> upsell anybody so somebody walks in and they're like yeah i just want to get into the sport and we don't just go show them a, a carbon bow at sixteen hundred dollars right. what we usually do is we just <coughs> say you know okay if you're just getting into the sport for one what do you want to do with the sport are you just want to do art or you just want to do target are you wanting to hunt with it? Are you wanting to do both? You know, what, where are you wanting to go with archery? And then the next thing we usually ask is the next question is usually like, how much do you want to spend on a bow? You know, what are you comfortable spending? And if they say, you know, there's not a limit, then we're going to show them the higher end stuff because there are a few more bells and whistle in the higher end bows. Um, if they say, you know, we want to be at the $500 mark, we've got bows, you know, several different bows in that price point where we can take out, take them out in the range and let them try out their, the five or six different bows in that price point and then let them pick the bow. We don't ever try to tell anybody what bow they should pick um, because there's a different bow for every hand and people yeah. don't really understand. I, I'm not a big pistol guy, but I know a lot of people are, when I start explaining like grip, I'm like, well, grip is super important. And they're like, oh, well, I won't buy such and such pistol because I can't stand the grip. Yeah. And I don't know much about pistols, but I totally get it because there's some bows when I pick it up, I'm like, I could not shoot this bow just because of the grip. And other guys come in, they're like, this grip just fits me perfect. This is the one I want. So right. there really is a bow for every hand. You know, I've, I've had a lot of questions, you know, come to me about people. You know, I, oh, man, what, what's a good bow to get? And I tell them, just go down and shoot all the bows until you find one way you're comfortable with and then shoot it. I'm not going to knock any company or their type of bow, you know, what they have out there on what one is better than the next. And it's whatever you're comfortable with shooting. I say go with it. That's that's what I always tell people. Yeah, you know? for sure. We get that we get that question all the time. Well, what do you shoot? And I'm like, well, I'll try them out first, and then I'll tell you what I shoot once you decide what you want. Because just because I'm shooting, it doesn't mean it's going to fit you good. It's not. It might you might hate that bow, but then you think you have to buy it because one of the employees or myself or somebody is, is shooting it, yeah. and that that's not always the case. Right. And then we even <coughs> get we we get all the time like you know spiffs from from our reps. Like we'll get, you know, the Hoyt rep or the Matthews rep or whoever, the prime rep or whoever it is, they'll come in and be like, hey, you know, we're going to, we want to give you this or we want to give you that. And, and I know what they're trying to do is trying to boost their sales. But again, I've told, we tell the guys all the time, don't, 
don't push a bow on anybody because if they if you push a bow on somebody then they leave and then they go to their buddy's house and they shoot their buddy's bow that's different than theirs and they're like they come back and like why didn't you show me that bow because it's better than the one you sold me so it's like well we let you pick and then that way we don't have ever run into that problem yeah i know when my my mother-in-law she bought her bow i told her she was shooting an old an older version of a I don't want to say brands or anything like that you know but I sent her over here and I was like go talk to Neil I hit or miss they will hook you up and they'll set you up I was like I guarantee you you're gonna leave out of there with a brand new bow because you need one you know and so she brought her old bow in you know you guys worked it and she started shooting you know the new bows and she called me up and she was mad at me and she's like yeah I ended up buying a new bow I was like I told you they're awesome over there. They're good people. They're going to set you up. And they, and now she comes over. She shoots all the time. You guys are constantly helping her out, you know, and she has nothing but good things to say, awesome. you know. But she does all these tournaments now, these little bow shoots, what they have. You know, she did the Senior Olympics oh, cool. uh, archery shoots, and she's been doing great on those, and she's just loving it. She has so much stuff set up on her bow now. <laughs> you know, you're like, well, that's definitely a target bow now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's You look at it and you're like, you're going to take that hunting, you know, but everybody is different, you know, and she's like, oh, yeah, this is my all-around bow because she's used to it. She's comfortable with it. That's good. But you guys set her up on a perfect bow. She gave you guys that price range, what she was looking at, and got her set up and that's what she wanted and then she ended up telling her sister and that's awesome. <laughs> I mean all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I know, you know but we always see them in here. That's yeah. that's one thing is we don't ever want to be I mean we're not high pressure if you buy a bow, if you want to buy a bow you're going to buy a bow and if you don't you don't we're still going to help you out. Whether it's your old equipment or your new equipment, we try to make whatever you got work. Look how long it took me to finally get one, you know. Yeah. I was coming in here constantly <laughs> and then finally I was like, "All right, and today's the day, you know." And of course I waited till it was Christmas time and my <laughs> wife was like, "Okay, you know." And I waited for that sale because I'm I'm a little cheap. <laughs> but it worked out good and I got my bow over there right now getting worked on and your employee, you know, he's he's awesome. He set me up with the bow. He got it hooked up, and then I shot it. So now I kind of need to get that that uh, last bit of tuning in there. And yeah. he's working on that for me so I could get everything dialed in correctly. And that's one thing we, I mean, we've already mentioned a couple times about tuning. And one thing that I want people to know out there about archery is because we get this all the time. So. If you hear me saying this, I'm, and you, you're one of these people, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but we do get people that will come in that, be, and it's again, it's just it's just because you don't know, but you've been rifle hunting or muzzleloader hunting or whatever it is your whole life, and you want the new challenge of, of shooting, hunting with a bow, and people will come in like a week before a hunt, a, a big hunt, like a really good hunt, and they're like, hey man, we just drew this hunt, we're going next week, I've never shot a bow before in my life, can I just grab one of those off the shelf and, and be gone? And it's like, it, it doesn't work that way in archery, just yeah. so you guys know. So if you are looking to buy a new bow, just know it takes some time to get it set up. It takes some time to get it tuned. Um, just because they're brand new out of the box, there's still some things that need to be done. Um, and I, I had a guy come in one time, it was right after we first opened, and he told me straight out, he said, I'll pay you $300 if you could cite my bow in for me. And I told him, I can't sight your bowing for you. I can't do it. And he's like, well, what do you mean? If, I, if it was a rifle, you could. And I says, it's, it's not like that. And, you know, every, every bow is tailored to the shooter. So 
we're all different. I mean, we could even be the exact same height. Everybody's, I mean, guy, one guy could walk in, he's five foot eight, another guy could walk in, he's five foot eight, and their drawings are an inch different. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's just totally different. Peep heights are different. So when you're looking through your peep, all that stuff is different. So what I like to tell people is, the bow is literally like tailored made to the shooter. So when you go to a tailor shop and you want your tux tailored or whatever, and the bow is tailored or the suit is tailored to you, we tailor the bow to the shooter and then we tailor the arrow to the bow. So um, it's not just as simple as walking in, you know, to a, a, a big box store and grabbing one off the shelf and walking out and be ready for a hunt the next week because that's not going to happen. Right. So how long would you actually tell somebody <coughs> to be able to practice before they even apply for a hunt? Or go out bow hunting. Um, you know that's a good question. I know I know one. I know of a couple stories where guys that were really really into firearms. One guy, um, he was even a, you know on the SWAT team, and he, and he's I mean just a really hands down awesome firearm shooter, and he could do really really well. Well, he picked up a bow, and within just the knowledge that he had from shooting in general i mean the breathing aiming all that kind of stuff um he picked up a bow and he was grouping i mean right away i mean he did really really well <coughs> but it is different muscles that a lot of people aren't used to using so um that comes down to the individual because people will ask us well how long does it take to get me sighted in and you know some people we can sight in in 30 minutes other people you know to sight in it might take us an hour and a half just because they can't be very consistent so um but definitely, you know, one of the most important things is draw weight. You know, you want to be able to have that draw weight up high enough to go hunting. You know, we usually we tell people don't shoot anything under 40 pounds to go on a, on a bow hunt. And even on that, you know, if you're going to be shooting the minimum at 40 pounds, you probably don't want to take a shot past 20, 25 yards. So um, that's our recommendation. And where we come up with that is kinetic energy. So we have a kinetic energy calculator in the shop. Um, all the big games have their own number for kinetic energy if you're hunting you know javelina it might have a certain number if you're hunting elk it's going to be different so we try to look at that we're like okay with your setup your draw weight your arrow you need to have this much kinetic energy so that's kind of how we base that off of but as far as practice goes you know you just it's it's kind of based off of the individual more than it is anything else so right i i usually try and tell people like a lot of people ask me you know and i say i would recommend at least one year of practicing shooting tuning in your bow getting comfortable with everything about your bow and constantly shooting and getting that muscle memory you know i try and tell people i'm like if you're going to put in for a bow hunt and hunt get your bow now start shooting every single day you know get 10 arrows a day you know if you shoot 10 arrows a day and you constantly go i mean you have hundreds of arrows behind you you start building that muscle memory to be able to be comfortable to make those shots you know and you're increasing that poundage of your bow you know my stepson he wants to go bow hunting this year so i was like well let's put you in but you better get out there and start, start shooting yeah because he's very good he's like what you, he's like a natural and everything he got the bow and he starts shooting and he's just drilling, drilling. Him, you know and you're like you got to be kidding me you're, <laughs> you're shooting better than me i've been shooting for years you know and and then he goes and just picks it up and shoots, but the poundage behind his bow isn't there. And I could start increasing it, he'll fill it, and I try and sneak in a little twist here and there, you know, and just gradually increase that. But he would get tired, you know. And I understand, when you're hunting, you're not sitting there shooting 20 arrows. Right. You shoot one. But you're also exerting yourself by hiking, hiking. and so on, on. Yeah. You know, so that's why I always, 
I try and tell people, you know, I recommend at least a year, you know, just to be comfortable with your equipment. I like that. And I think we should just go with that a year. <laughs> <laughs> a year. One year and that's it, guys. But, but so. I, you may have noticed this. Um, from when I started bow hunting to now, like the secret's kind of out of the box. Like the way the draws work, people realize they can't draw a rifle anymore or it's getting tough. And muzzlers, so they're like, how can I go hunting? And they're going to the bow. Increasing their draws. And I'm sure you know too, as bow hunters that have been putting for, usually we draw all the time or we're over the counter for bows, is not so anymore. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, that's changed the, your how many customers are starting to come in, switching over to bows or making it an option. Yeah, I mean, we get new customers all the time, which I'm very thankful for. Um, you know, there's a couple things that I, I wish the system would kind of change, but I don't think that'll, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but um, like uh, if you were to hunt on the reservation here in New Mexico, a lot of the reservations make you qualify with a bow before you can go bow hunting. So you have to be able to, I, th I believe it's 30 yards on a 40 centimeter target, you have to be able to put like six arrows in that. And if you can't do that, then they don't give you your hunting, li your archery hunting license. Yeah, you know that. Oh, wow, that's crazy. So, you know, and, and we hear stories after stories after stories, um, and, it, and it's part of bow hunting, but of people wounding animals and, and oh. making a bad shot or, or not knowing the range or whatever. And that's how this shop got started. I did it myself. So I'm not picking on anybody. I, I'm guilty of it. I've wounded an animal before too. So, but, but yeah, just, I mean, practice, practice, practice. I mean, once you have that muscle memory down, um, it can make a huge difference because like you say, you're tired when you've, you've been following an elk, your adrenaline's rushing, you get to the bottom of a canyon or top of a canyon or wherever you need to be and then everything's coming together it can make a huge difference if you're in shape. Shooting shape is one thing. Um, yeah. People talk about shooting shape all the time and they're like, well, what does that mean shooting shape? And I'm like, well, if you haven't shot your bow in a year, yeah, you might be able to pull it back, but you, your muscles fatigue and you're not as gonna be as good as you were if you were practicing every day, so. Yeah, and then I think it comes out, because you wanna take all the variables out as possible. And we all, at least the three of us and probably the listeners have been through this, where you finally do get a shot or in shot range of an elk or a, whatever you're hunting and then buck fever sets in. So you, not only do you have the shakes going on, you know, that's the last thing you want uh, to get in your way is, you know, you didn't practice enough. Because you don't want to take that variable out because buck fever, that's, that's hard to get over sometimes, yeah. is to get over that, that mental part of the buck fever stuff. For sure. Um, and if that goes away, then you shouldn't be hunting. If you don't get nervous <laughs> when you're hunting. <laughs> yeah, exactly, if you don't get yeah. nervous anymore, then there's probably something wrong with you. What do you do? Um, I didn't really start hearing about the term target uh, panic until like maybe like the past few years and I think I actually get it every now and then and realize. It's a real thing, man, and it's <laughs> in, uh, thankfully, knock on wood, I, I've never had target panic, but I've seen, you know, some very good customer of ours, um, one gentleman that I could think of, um, just severely struggle with it. I mean, it's, and he, it's bad, like he was shooting really, really good you know, high scores on our 3D on our 3D leagues and stuff like that. And then just, I mean, his scores dramatically just all of a sudden dropped and we're like, what's going on, man? And he's like, I, I have the really, really bad target panic. I, I can draw my bow back and I can hold it. And as soon as I start getting to where, where my pin needs to set before I pull my trigger, all of a sudden I can't, my bow can't, won't hold still. It won't go to the point where it's, yeah. and the way they, the way I've had it described, it's like when you have two magnets and you're trying to push them together and they want to fight, they want to fight each other and you can't push them together. Right. That's what a lot of people have told me what target pen it's like. You get your 
pin and you get it to the point and as soon as it gets there it, it wants to That's jerk right. out of the position that where, where it needs to sit so um, we've helped a lot of people um, you know conquer I guess you would say their target panic and you know one good way to do that is I mean there's a gentleman in the range right now he's blank bellying right now um, he's not aiming at anything he's drawing back his bow all he's concentrating on is his release and there's a there's a girl here in Albuquerque and she's she's a professional archer um, probably one of the best archers in the state her name is Cassidy Cox she's not a, really a hunter she I think she hunted this year the first time with her bow but she's been a target archer ever since she was five or six years old and now she travels the world shooting and I've asked her Cassidy how do we get better like how can I be as good as you like because she can just sit there and you know shoot a 300 on paper all day long which is a perfect score She's just amazing. When you watch her shoot, her stabilizer just sits there. There's no movement. And she said, you know, I think it was her dad that told me one time, he said, Cassie will sit in a room for an hour and a half sometimes, and we have her a little stand built up and a, and a bell in her room, and she'll sit there for an hour and a half just blank billing. She's not aiming at nothing. She's shooting five feet, and she's just sitting there, just repetition, muscle memory, building the muscles up, learning how to hold, concentrating just on her release, um, all these different things that they matter. Like, I've started blank billing because she, her dad was telling me because he's he's her coach and he, and he says you know I can't tell you how important it is just to blank bell once in a while so um, there's a lot of different things that you can do to conquer target panic but um, that's that's one of the things for sure that, that you can do yeah. another thing is if you just draw back hold your pin there and in your mind you know you're not gonna pull the trigger so you can kind of block that out mentally because that's one of the things okay I'm getting ready to pull my trigger and that can cause start yeah. start the panic so if you can just draw back hold hold it hold your <coughs> your pin on that point as long as you can and then just let down don't even pull the trigger that's another thing that we do too and I noticed this happened to me last summer with the bow and I I guess I'm calling it bow, uh, target panic <clears throat> I draw back and right when I settle in to shoot instead of pulling the trigger I'm pulling the trigger and still continuing to pull back on my string so it's like um, as if I'm holding it free-handed and I'm letting, I gotta ball back and let go of my hand even though I'm trying to do two at the same time. And I don't know why I'm doing that. I don't know it's because I bow hunted so long with just my, you know, using my finger finger release versus a trigger. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I'm crossing the two and can't get over that. <laughs> I can't figure it out. Well, if you're still doing it, come see us. We'll, yeah. we'll take a look at it. <laughs> but yeah, there is. I mean, there's just a, a even different release aids. You know, you've got your your handheld release that you actually hold in your hand when you draw back. You've got a wrist strap that goes around your wrist. That's a trigger release with your index. <coughs> there's true back tension releases where it goes off by pressure. So if your holding yeah. weight is, say your holding weight is 12 pounds, you can set that trigger to go off at 13 pounds. So there's a safety, you draw back, let off the safety, you're holding 12 pounds. You Once 13 pounds of pressure hit that trigger, it just breaks and it goes off. Um, things like that can help a target panic too because it, it sounds like it would make it worse because you're like, holy smokes, <laughs> yeah, probably yeah, lose a lot of arrows. <laughs> but the thing is what it does is it, it, it makes you concentrate on nothing but aiming because your pin has to be at least close to where you need to aim before you start pulling that 13 pounds to make it go off. There's a lot of different things you can do to become, you know, a little better or defeat, you know, defeat target panic if that's what you're having or whatever it is. Um, during, during hunting season, <coughs> I'm sure guys come in with problems with their bows during their hunt. What's like the most common thing that happens to the guys when they're actually out hunting and something goes wrong? Um, this is another one of those things. Um, don't get mad at me if you're out there listening, but a lot of guys dry fire their bows. And there's nothing wrong. 
I mean, there's, of course, there's something wrong with dry firing your bow, but there's nothing wrong with admitting that you dry fired your <laughs> bow. Because we have so many people that'll dry fire their bow, they're like, I didn't dry fire my bow. I didn't dry fire my bow. We work on, we've been working on bows for four years and we've seen a lot of bows. We know pretty much what a dry fire looks like. That being said though, we've had guys that I know for a fact have dry fired their bow and absolutely did not know they dry fired their bow. Um, one story I could think of is there was a gentleman in the range and because we have cameras, we knew he dry fired his bow. But he came in and it says, the bow you guys just worked on, it just blew up at full draw. It just, it just blew up and I don't know what happened to it. And so we're looking at his bow, trying to figure out what's going on. We're like, did you dry fire? It's the first question we asked. And he's like, no, I didn't dry fire. And we're like, no, nah, it looks like a dry fire, but we don't, maybe it didn't, maybe it was something else. Um, so we're looking, 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 trying to figure it out. Um, and we went back on the camera and there's, you know, five of them shooting in the range and they're all looking down range at the target because they're shooting the 3D targets. So they're all looking through their binos downrange to see where he's going to hit. And he draws back, think, concentrating solely on that target. He draws back and let it, I mean, pulled the trigger and let it rip. And there wasn't an arrow on the bow. And so once he, he's like, I didn't drive my bow. And we told him, we've seen it on video. And he's like, oh, really? And he's like, well, let me come back and look at it. And so he came back into the shop and he's like, nah, he's off. I was a betting man. I would, I would never have guessed I drive fired my bow. So I think you can get so focused on the target that you can forget to put an arrow on your on your on your bow is as crazy as crazy as it sounds it happens um come busy season like you say right before the hunt people are practicing a lot or they go on their hunt and they're at camp and they're practicing or whatever it is we see a lot of dry fires um so that's probably the number one thing another another thing that we see a lot that people start freaking out about is broadheads um yeah. broadheads are a big big thing that people don't um, and again, I was, I'm guilty of it. I was one of those guys until you start learning about this stuff, you don't know, but uh, I would shoot my field points and I was grouping really, really well with my field points, screw my broadheads on, go to my hunt and say, okay, I'm good to go. And all of a sudden go to camp and I'm shooting my broadheads and my broadheads are diving off low right. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? I was shooting good at the house. And then you yep. see mentally, if you don't know, you're like, why are they, what's going on? Is it me? Should I adjust my sight? You know, what's going on? And so broadheads are, are another really big thing that people, um, right before their hunt or during their hunt, they come and they're like, I start shooting my broadheads and all of a sudden I'm not hitting even close to where I was. So yeah. we can broadhead tune your bow um, so that your field points and your broadheads hit the same. So that is, it's a lot better than moving your sight to make your broadheads hit because um, if your broadheads and your field points aren't hitting the same, when you if your bow is tuned absolutely perfect to each other, they should, those two should hit the same. Yeah. So those are probably um, the two big things. For those that are listening that don't know, which is kind of a good thing for your shop, is it's essentially located in New Mexico, right here in Albuquerque, and we'll put a, the address in the description. But Neil's shop is right in the center of New Mexico, so for out-of-staters and residents too, you're not too far off, you know, the beaten track, so to speak, like if you're out, a lot of units, we can get down to the shop in time should you really screw up your bow out in the field? Or if you're flying in from out of town for the non-residents and that whole flight and you're worried because you're getting ready to go out on a hunt that took maybe five, six years for you to draw, come by the shop and they can get you hopefully squared away or make sure that you're right on before you head out on that. Yeah, we're about five minutes from the Albuquerque airport, so. Yeah. And that's pretty much the only way here to fly into the state. Yeah, <laughs> we've, got, we've got quite a few out-of-staters that'll come in and. You know, after TSA has banged up your equipment, you can come in and check it and make sure you're not too far off and get recited back in. Yeah, we, we only have 40 yards, but at least you can check all, your, all the way out to yeah. your 40-yard pin and at least make sure at 40 yards, you're going to know if you're, if you're still on, if your equipment's still good. In, in the 
when people are out in the field, what do you, other than dry firing, what else do you see that, that people mess up on or goes wrong in the field? Is it mostly strings snapping? Or yeah, um, you gotta be really careful when you're, um, depending on the rest that you have and how you load your arrow. We've seen, um, we've seen broadheads cut strings. Um, we've seen them, you know, you have your broadhead in your quiver. Um, we've seen guys have their broadheads or their, their bow strapped to the back of, say, their Polaris Ranger or whatever it is, and they're driving around and the, just the vibration and the rattling will rattle an arrow loose with a broadhead on it and it just slides down and it, it only takes a little, with those razor sharp, sharp heads, it yeah. doesn't take much to cut, an, the cut a string. The way to fix that is either you have a bow press with you or you got to get somewhere get, where someone's yeah, got to get back to the press. shop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if, I mean, they do sell little portable presses, um, and I tell people all the time, even when we restring bows, when people's strings are worn out, I tell people all the time, hold on to your old strings. And they're like, no, I just throw them away. And I said, no, hold on to your old strings, because <laughs> if something happens on, and you're on your hunt, and something happened to these brand new strings, you accidentally cut them, or your case got you know smashed, or whatever the case may be, and in an emergency, we can put your old strings back on, at least you can finish your hunt. Because yeah, yeah. that's another thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is, um, you know, strings are custom built for each bow. Um, yeah. Bows are, the string lengths are so different on every single bow, there's just no way to stock um, that many different sets of strings and cables. So most of the strings and cables that we do, we, we custom order them for you. Um, and then they're here, the company that we use, they, they have them here fairly quick and that's all they do is build bow strings. So, they're really, really good at it, but it does take a few days to get them here. So you can't just walk in and get a new set of strings that day. How long did you like? How long have you been bow hunting yourself? I know you said earlier. Um, so I'll be 40 this year, and I picked up my first bow when I was 16 years old. Um, and I picked up the first time I picked up a bow to start shooting a bow. It was because I wanted to start bow fishing. Oh. Um, <laughs> so one of my buddies was always shooting in shooting carp out of the ditch and I thought that was going to be fun to get into so I went down and bought myself a bow and, and started shooting carp out of the ditch and that's kind of how I got into it and then um, from there just started shooting a bunch in the backyard and shooting 3D targets and started hearing more and more about bow hunting and started getting involved in that and then all of a sudden there I was putting in for my first elk hunt and whenever I first started putting in it it was pretty easy to draw you just pick what unit you want and <laughs> get to go to hunting every year and it's not the case anymore but no. that's that's about how long I've been shooting and then uh um, now we've got the whole family into it. So my wife sh shoots and she's actually got bragging rights at the house because she has a bigger, bigger elk on the wall than I do. <laughs> and, uh, and then I've got my little ones shooting too. So um, I started my little ones. If people ask that all the time, what, you know, what age can you get them started? I started, you know, my little guy Uriah, I started him at three years old. Um, so now he's shooting with a peep and a sight and a release and shoots all the way out to 40 yards and at seven years old he's not pulling much weight but he can he can still hit the target so, so it's speaking fun. of the the little kid shooting so my son he's nine you know and i got him a bow last year he's he does pretty good he has to shoot with both eyes open he can't close you know his he's right-handed he's left eye dominant so he can't you know he can't close that left eye and look through the peep um i've been trying to train him you know and use like the little pirate patch and stuff like that but the other day like you know he he pulls it off and he's like i don't want to wear this no more and he's shooting with both eyes open and he's finally starting just to hit the target but he's he's all over it all over you know which is fine at least he's hitting the target now you know before i'm constantly chasing uh chasing arrows what would be the good way to train a, a kid 
what has that that type of problem I mean so now you guys are asking the tough questions <laughs> <laughs> so this that I mean that honestly I mean we've I've asked every school I went to I've asked that question we've got some really good instructors you know here in town I've asked them I'm a certified instructor myself and really the honest answer to that question is is do you follow your eye dominancy or do you learn you know how to shoot with that one eye closed and so if you're right-handed and you're left eye dominant basically your choices are you need to switch to left-handed or you need to learn how to keep that left eye closed um, because it's it's almost physically impossible to, impossible to be super accurate if you're shooting right-handed and you're shooting with both eyes open if you're left eye dominant because that left eye you might be able to kind of trick your right eye to use that peep for a second but then ultimately when the concentration really starts to come down that left eye is going to take over because it's dominant so it's super hard to do exactly what you did is is one of the things that we recommend um, we have kiddos and adults alike that shoot with patches on all the time they shoot with a patch and as soon as they're as soon as they're going to pull their arrows they just flip their patch up and they go down and pull their arrows and they get back on the line to shoot and they flip their patch down um, others have said you know I'm not wearing a patch or I can't learn how to close my left eye and we're like okay then you need to switch to left-handed you're gonna have to learn how to draw that bow back left-handed um, for me it's tough I mean we have to tune bows all the time so when somebody comes in and they want their left-handed bow paper tuned I've learned I mean the f when we first opened the shop I never shot a bow left-handed <laughs> yeah I've never and it right, feels man. like I feel like a girl uh, you know when you look like a girl <laughs> trying to throw a ball left-handed <laughs> I felt yeah. just so awkward trying to pull back a bow left-handed but now I've I've kind of learned I mean if you if and if I practice enough I could probably shoot a bow left-handed yeah. but um, that's that's really your option so it's kind of comes down to the shooter I mean what do you what are you willing to do you know are you willing to wear an eye patch or if not then are you willing to try to learn how to shoot left-handed um, because it is one of those things that it comes down to whatever is most comfortable for the shooter because if you absolutely cannot pull back a bow left-handed it's just way too awkward well then then you ruled out that option you're gonna have to wear an eye patch or keep that left eye closed when you're yeah. shooting what do you do with us old guys mm -hmm. um, <laughs> your uh, vision starting to go right before start wearing reading glasses because that was my hardest issue last year was I started noticing that you know if I focus in my pin then the target blurred out or I focus on the target the, the pin blurs out and so I thought about putting in uh, those peeps that have the little the verifier the verifier in it and have you seen is that a viable option for guys out there that we have use, that, that reading glass yeah. problem we install a lot of verifiers and it's a verifier um, so there's verifiers and clarifiers clarifier goes in your peep when you're shooting a, a powered lens in the front so a magnifier in the front of your of your housing so New Mexico has just passed that law last year where you can actually hunt now with the magnification in your in your housing. So I think that's pretty awesome because again we've had a lot of guys who are like, oh I can't bow hunt anymore because I can't see I can't see forty yeah. yards. Well now you can put a magnification in, in your housing, but then you have to have a peep that has a clarifier in it. Um, and that is basically like having a front glass and a back glass on your binos. You have your front glass and the back glass, they have to work together. So if you have a lens you have to have a clarifier. Um, a verifier is exactly kind of what you just said as far as it's, it's the guys that kind of need reading glasses so if you pick up something to read and you're pushing your arms way out as far as you can because you can't read it but you can if it's further away from you okay. it's the same thing with your pins your pins are pretty close to your eyeball so if you push the pins out yeah you might be able to see them better um, and there's there's sites that allow you to do that too there are sites that have like a four or six inch dovetail even a nine inch dovetail where you can push the housing out further to get the pins away from your eye so they're not so blurred because they're so close to you or 
um, use the same site without a, without a dovetail on it, keep it close to you, but drop a verifier in the peep, which is basically exactly the same thing as a reading glass lens. Okay. Because for me, I was talking to Brian with this last year, I'm like, I thought about putting on, I put on my glasses, my reading glasses to shoot, and I actually did pretty good. But to me, when you're out in the field, that was like one more thing that I had to carry with me. Then I'm yeah. like, what if I crush them? And then, so I just skipped the whole thing and I said, I'll just deal with it. And it's mostly the that late evening and early morning shots where things were kind of you know, funky, get get funky, and get really get blurry for me. So something I'll have to try this year is I almost did it last year get one of those verifiers, but I landed up. It's uh, definitely worth trying. I mean, it's so easy. It's so easy to try it out. Um, you just got. I mean, you have to have a, a certain peep that has threads, but it's easy to try out. Take your old peep out, put your new peep in, and, and screw in a verifier and see if it works. It's either going to make it better, it's going to make it worse. So you'll know right away what it, it's just like going to the eye doctor and they say better or worse, better or worse, and they're yeah. trying to find the prescription <laughs> for you. It's the same thing with the verifier. Yeah. Another um, thing that a lot of people don't realize too is with, um, like I sighted in my wife last year, and she's been shooting a bow for a while, and we never really noticed because she always shoots with her contacts. And then she decided that she wanted to try shooting with her glasses. So we had her dialed in. She was shooting really, really well. And then one day we went out there, we went to go shoot and she had her reading glasses on or her normal glasses on. And all of a sudden she's hitting way right and like eight inches right. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we just had you sighted in perfect. What happened? And she, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, it's, this is aggravating, move my sight. And I'm like, but you were just right on. I'm, I'm afraid to move your sight because that's a lot to move your sight. Yeah. And all of a sudden she snapped. She's like, you think it's my glasses? And I says, I don't know. She ran inside, put her contacts in, came back out and started shooting the bullseye again. So. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know if it's just the if she was looking through the edge of the glass of her glasses that was making it look different or what yeah, it was, but yeah, if you haven't had a, this reading glasses problem, that's what sucks. Sometimes when I pull my, I was shooting with my glasses on, and when I draw back, um, the string would catch the glass and actually, you know, angle it so tilt it your glasses, tilt my glasses and make things blurry or make it worse actually. So you know, people got to take that into consideration too. Is if you're going to shoot with glasses, make sure they don't yeah. interfere with your string. Practice you know, however you're going to hunt. That's how you need to practice. Yeah. We tell people all the time, and that's that goes with glasses or even quivers. People ask, "Well, should I should I practice with my quiver on?" And I say, "Absolutely, practice with your quiver on and five arrow. If your arrow, if your quiver holds six arrows, put six. five arrows in that quiver because with yeah. one missing, because that's how you're going to take that. Hopefully, that so one shot. shot. So, yeah. yeah, practice how you're going to hunt." Um, Going to traditional bows, do you guys sell a lot of traditional bows? You know, traditional is actually starting to be more and more popular. I think it's 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 one of those things just like the rifle hunter wanted a more challenge, so he went to muzzleloader. Then he wanted a more of a challenge, and he went to archery, um, went to a compound bow. And now there's a lot of guys that they're like, man, I've, I've killed eight elk with my compound bow. I want to go to recurve or yeah. traditional or, or longbow or whatever it is. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool to see how many traditional bows we're actually selling. There's a lot of people getting into it. Um, even all the guys in the shop recently, we've started picking up our traditional bows more and more and really wanting to shoot our traditional bows. So yeah, tr we, we sell quite a few traditional bows. There's actually a, a custom bow maker, Burt's Bows out of East Mountains that built some really cool custom handmade bows right there out of his house. Um, he does a really good job. We sell his bows, but yeah, traditional starting to grow. I've cool. tried to shoot a traditional bow <laughs> <laughs> before. So when, when I first started, that was pretty much like my very first bow when I was a little kid. And I used to do all right, you know, just kind of playing around in the backyard. Of course, you know, well, you're a kid, you you know, you just pick everything up and you just start messing around. Well, my brother-in-law, he shoots a lot of traditional. So 
20 yards, big target. He's like, yeah, go for it. He's like, there's no way you could miss that. <laughs> well, I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> and he looked at me and I was like, sorry. So of course I ruined his nice wooden arrow, all that, you know, I had him back his boat. I was like, I'm sorry, man, I can't do this. Missing, I mean, it was, it was a big target. And missing at 20 yards, you're like, dude, I, I don't know yeah, what I happen? did. How did I miss that? And <laughs> I was like, I can't do it no more. But it's, it's just something I would like to try it again one of these days because, you know, my boy, he has his little toy ones, and he shoots the heck out of it. Loves playing around with those traditional-style bows. And you're just like, I, I don't have anything to, to try and shoot. But, I mean, bow fishing setups, all that kind of stuff you could buy. Yeah. And you could do numerous different things with a traditional as you can with the compound for sure and everything so right well, that's all the bow fishing we do me and my wife are big into bow fishing we do it three or four times a week once the weather warms up so we love bow fishing both of us use traditional bows for that um, but yeah to be accurate with a traditional bow that's something that you have to be doing a all lot time, yeah. all the time if I mean as much traditional bows I've shot if I put it down and I haven't done it for you know two or three months and pick it up it's like almost not completely starting all over again, but it's, you have to find your aiming point and all that kind of stuff all over again. And there's some guys here in town, and they can just shoot lights out traditional bows. It's a, oh. it's pretty amazing. So. Do you think it helps you out when it comes to <laughs> compound shooting? Um, or do you think they're kind of different? It, they're they using what they call instinctive shooting, and I'm not sure if that would help guys out. I think the one way it helps out is you know, with a compound bow, there's a let off. So when you draw it back, if you're drawing back a 70 pound bow, depending on what your let off is, you could be only holding, you know, anywhere from seven to 12 pounds of draw weight at the back yeah. end. <laughs> if you're shooting a traditional bow and it's a 50 pound traditional bow, when you get to full draw, you're holding 50 pounds of draw weight. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the cool thing about a traditional bow, you shoot a traditional bow for a while, really build that muscle, your, you know, your back muscle, shoulder muscles up when you shoot your, your compound bow and you only have, you're only holding 12 pounds compared to 50 <laughs> pounds at the back end, it can definitely help you hold a little more steady, just stronger. Yeah. H have you noticed, well, this will go for the four years of the shop, um, the technology and the bows and the compounds and how fast have they gotten up to now, like from just in the past four years? Well, so if you look back, you know, um, you know, even a few years ago, there was a couple manufacturers that had bows that were pushing 370 feet per second. Um, and now, I mean, that was just a few years ago. And now, when you look across the board, all the manufacturers, there's, there's not even a, I think there's only one bow out there that's doing 370 now. Everybody's kind of taking a step back from the speed because there's enough kinetic energy, there's enough technology and, and efficiency out of these bows anymore where you don't need 370 feet per second. You know, you don't need, you don't even need, you know, 320 feet per second anymore. Um, with, the, with the technology of the arrows and all that kind of stuff, Everybody's trying to make a more, a more shootable bow than worry about what the speed is. Speed. Um, we still get guys that come in that think that the speed is the most important thing. And yes, speed is, is important, but I've purposely s slowed my bow down purposely because I feel like the bow shoots better and I shoot the bow a little bit better at a lower, or lower speed. And I'm not saying I crank the draw weight down per se, but I've started using a really heavy arrow. Heavy arrow. Um, and it's slowed my bow down significantly, but it's my bow shoots a lot better. Um, one of the guys at the shop, when we first opened, we, we, he set up a bow and he's like, he's, we, he started cracking up. He's walking back into the shop and he's laughing. And I said, what are you laughing at? He says, how fast do you think this bow is? And I said, I have no idea. And he's all, I just shot through this crown and it's doing um, 357. And I'm like, 
357 feet per second. He's all, yeah. And I'm like, holy smokes. So he tried to shoot it like that for a while and it was just erratic. He couldn't put that good of a group together. Hmm. Got himself a heavier arrow, didn't do anything to the draw weight or draw length, just started getting a heavier arrow. And all of a sudden his group started coming together super tight and started shooting the bow way, way is better. It, I, I feel like maybe, maybe that's what my problem is. I noticed last year and year before I, I could get it in the paper play, but I couldn't even have those really good groupings. And I wonder if I need to slow my arrow down too. That's a big thing that another thing that people look past is is arrows. I mean, you, you can get so much more performance out of your bow and better groups and you know tighter groups with a different arrow um, people don't realize that they'll they'll come in and they'll spend crazy amounts of money on a sight and a rest and, and, a, and a bow or whatever the case is and then they're like well just sell me your your cheapest arrow that you have for right now and then they don't switch they just keep I, I, I'm like okay well that's fine we'll sell you a cheap arrow for now um, and then once you start getting more serious getting close to your hunt you can switch well then they don't want to switch because they've already sighted in with that that less expensive arrow but there's there's definitely a differences in arrows, um, and it's not just price point. It, I mean, it is, but it's there's you're getting performance out of different arrows. Real popular now is a real micro diameter arrow, so that's what I'm shooting. It's a, it's a super small skinny arrow, but it's, I've got a lot of weight up front. It's got a 50 grain insert, and I shoot 125 grain point. Um, so I've got a lot of weight up front on my arrow, and if there's any type of wind, if you know, I've noticed a huge difference. I've even shot my old arrows to my new arrows right back to each other at the house, like at 60 yards and a little bit of a breeze. And my skinny arrows are just almost in the in the bullseye, even yeah. even in a little bit of a breeze where my <laughs> bigger diameter arrows with not as much front of center on my arrow, not as heavy as a point, it will definitely be affected by the you wind. think by, because I, I noticed a lot of guys were doing the inserts and kind of make, you started hearing about this whole um, adding, making your arrows heavy. And the, one of the theories is too is you're you're starting to pack a bigger punch and you actually hit the game. For sure, yeah. That I haven't um, messed with it too much since you have. You ever have you hit something with that extra weight on there and has it made a difference? You think? Yeah, I mean, since I've switched to those those crazy heavy arrows like that, um, I shot an elk this year, blew right through it, no problem. And then I, of course, a javelina. You're gonna you're gonna blow through a javelina, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we have stories after stories and, and pictures of guys saying, man, I hit this animal and look, I hit the shoulder bone and look at it and, and there's a busted shoulder bone. Um, but I, I know I know of other guys that, uh, good friends of mine that have been hunting for a long time and they've said, they were on a hunt one time and he shot a bull and he's like, man, my arrow only went in like five inches and it stopped. And yeah. he's all, but I'm shooting 70 pounds. And I'm like, he's all, I don't understand. And then the next year he did the same thing he did it again and and i didn't wasn't really looking at his equipment and so that second time he did it we're out there tracking a bull and i'm like i don't understand I don't, how could you only because we found the end of a zero and i'm like how did you only get that much penetration I said, yeah. and so i'm looking at it and i ask him i says what is what's up with your arrow like what what how much weight do you have on the front of it because i shoot a 75 grain broadhead and i said and you're shooting an ultra light shaft and he's all yeah he's all my arrow only weighs you know I don't know what it was, it was super light. And he says, but it's smoking fast. And so what I tell people all the time, and this, this, when I use this analogy, as silly as it sounds, it really helps people understand. If you went to the bowling alley and you had a bowling ball and you let a little kid roll the bowling ball down the alley at three miles an hour and it's going down there real slow, 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 but it hits the pins and it goes straight. The bowling ball hits, but it still goes straight through the pins. Yeah. Um, well, if you had a basketball and you rolled that basketball at 
40 miles an hour, <laughs> what's it going to do when it hits those pins? It's going to yeah, yeah. totally ricochet off or want us to slow down and stop. So yeah. I tell people you want to hunt with a, bowling, not with a bowling ball, not a basketball. You want it to hit and just not want to stop. Yeah, just keep on punching through. That makes sense. <coughs> especially on the elk is, you know, people, you want to put it close to that shoulder, but if you do hit the shoulder, especially if it's, you may not, you make it that four inches of penetration and not get nothing else out of oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, you watch all these hunting shows and these guys shoot and you see that arrow like you're like dude that didn't even go in that animal you know you're like how there's no way they're going to find that thing yeah you know know, and this is kind of a weird theory i tried was it two years ago we didn't draw elk i drew deer and so i dialed back the poundage this is the theory i don't know if it actually worked now my instead of just completely blowing through the animal my theory was how about punch it into the center so it doesn't blow through and then let the animal try to run around (laughs) with a blade in them and cut up more and then cut up more stuff and then drop them um, it, the deer that I shot two years ago, it didn't go through. Um, it went through the shoulder, mm-hmm. went into him, and it snapped it. It was about halfway and snapped it off, and he landed up totally down like 80 yards later. So yeah. I'm not sure if it's just a good shot, and that's what happened, or if my theory <laughs> worked out or not. So. <laughs> and, and again, all the talk about you know arrows and, and point weight and all that kind of stuff, we tell people all the time shot placement is key. So it goes yeah. back to the whole practice thing because. I mean, if you could have the perfect arrow, the perfect setup, but if you make a bad shot, there's... It's still a bad shot. Yeah, it's yeah. still a bad shot. It's still a bad shot, yeah. But yeah, I hit a deer um, <coughs> last year right in the shoulder, and it just it totally broke, just blew completely through that shoulder, and then it, it didn't hit the shoulder on the opposite side and went all the way out that other oh. other side. <laughs> so, I mean, it's 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 crazy when you have the right equipment. What they can, These bows are just amazing what they can do. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I, you know, and broadhead and stuff like that, you know, it, everybody has their opinion and stuff like that, but I've had incidents with certain broadheads, what I swore by, and then I had some bad shots and some issues with it, so I made that change in my broadhead as well. I still stuck with that, um, that 100 grain, that's what I shoot, I shoot a 100 grain broadhead, and I just made the change to a different style, and going off of um, what Eric was used to shoot or still shoots and seeing what that broadhead was able to withstand and hold up to drove me to it you know and I was like well shoot man I'm going to try it and ever since I have a, it's been a, a great broadhead you know and it's thick it's heavy it's kind of you know it, it shoots so it's just that it's the exodus broadhead yeah. you know that's what I I love that broadhead you know, I used to shoot muzzy all the time. I'm not against them. Yeah. You know, but they're a great broadhead. Also, they've been around a very long time. Yeah. You know. That's but that's the one thing in, in the shop when people come in <laughs> that I hate to recommend. Because Broadheads. people, they'll come in, they'll be like, what broadhead do you recommend? And I'm like, I don't want to recommend a broadhead. Because when I re- recommend a broadhead, then you come back and whether they made a good <laughs> shot or a bad shot, sometimes they make a bad shot. And they're like, ah, oh, that broadhead you sold me. I passed right through that animal and never did find him. I'm like, well, did you get garbage? Shot? You don't because know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And there's the whole debate between mechanical and, and fixed, fixed. And I'm sure that's a whole, people could argue that point for like hours on it. Yeah. Because everyone has their stories on both or their theories. And I've, I've used both. Um, I never never really used much of a mechanical till I, I shot my javelina this year with the mechanical and that deer that I blew all the way through that shoulder blade, I used a mechanical. And, um, never shot mechanical broadheads until that point, but it's, I'm, I've been happy as long as you make a good shot. I, I, I believe that they should work. Yeah, we're, we're getting close to wrapping this one up, and we're going to talk with Neil a bunch more because we just probably 
touch the beginning of bow hunting and getting into all the technical stuff of it. But I did want to hit on, I think what Neil said was perfect, is knowing your, your, knowing your own, um, what do you call it, your own abilities. Meaning that, you know, some guys have good eyesight and are able to take a 90 yard shot, which is doable nowadays. Back, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't even conceived. Um, for me, I, I, I decided that I'm not taking anything over 65 yards because I'm just not comfortable taking a 75 yard shot. And some guys are and some guys aren't. So I think knowing your equipment and knowing your ability to, to make a, an ethical shot uh, is, is the best thing to do when you're going out hunting, is knowing your, your capabilities. Yeah, so before we uh, end it, also being in shape and stuff like that, you guys are starting up a new program. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that real quick? So Zephyr CrossFit um, here in Albuquerque, I'm sure everybody's heard if you've been around archery or hunting, you probably guys have might have seen the, the, the train to hunt. So we're kind of taking a page out of their book and just trying to do it in our own personal shop here. But uh, Tammy over there at Zephyr, we kind of got together one day and we we're talking and she's huge into fitness and we're huge into bow hunting. So she's like, I think it'd be really cool to be able to train like to get ready for your hunts and be in shape and you know you you know kind of fatigue the muscles and get the muscles ready that we're you're going to use on a hunt um and do like a class and so she's like what do you guys think and i'm like yeah i think we could do that it'd be awesome so we sat down um a couple times and we came up with uh fit to hunt so we're going to be doing a fit to hunt league and you basically come in and you will do some type of an exercise for a period of time and then you shoot your bow and then you do a fear you do another exercise and then you shoot your bow you do another exercise you shoot your bow um it's only going to be about 45 minutes and after watching them do the demo night um at 45 minutes you're pretty spent but the cool thing about it is she's really targeting the muscles that you would use for hunting um your leg muscles when you're hiking and your back muscles when you're shooting and when you're packing out and like she's really kind of targeting that um your cardio getting your cardio up a little bit so it's not the crazy crazy crossfit that you've you've might have seen on on tv and other other gyms doing but it's definitely definitely going to help you get ready for your hunts and and it's gonna <coughs> we're going to be here at the same time so we're going to be able to help you out with form and how to you know maybe manipulate your form a little bit when you're super fatigued and stuff like that so um It'll be a four-week. It'll be a four-week league. At the end of the week, or at the end of the league, we'll be giving out awards um, and excited to see how people get in shape and their target or their archery scores or their target scores improve as well. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So if you're definitely in the in the Albuquerque area or, or close by, you guys want to join, come down and get signed up over here. I hit or miss with that uh, that program. I think it'll be pretty fun. I was my brother-in-law wants to do it with me. I was like, well, we could try it. You know, my wife. So if I could get everybody together, I think it would be kind of fun, not just to improve ourselves, but to challenge each other for sure. and, and see on who's a better, <laughs> who's better hunter, who's Under better shape or whatever you want to call it, you know. And the cool, the cool thing about that league is that, you, so you're getting scores for how well you shoot, but you're also getting scores for how in shape you are, or how many, you know, reps you can do whenever you're doing the exercises. So. Um, there's actually going to be a winner at the end of it who <coughs> did the most you know who, who did the best on the physical part of it and then who did the best on the archery part of it and then who was the best of both that was kind of like the grand champion so it'll be cool to see it would be yeah, pretty neat. i think it's pretty cool because people don't realize you know what it, it not, i'm sure it's for all hunting but yeah bow hunting is pretty cool and and yeah you do hike 
15 miles sometimes before you get a shot yeah. and, and you are fatigued and tired and everything else so it's nice to be able to go through those reps and that way when you're in that scenario you're like hey I, you know you can do this awesome pull the draw back and one last thing i want to say before you guys wrap it up is just over here at hit or miss we love to get the the new archer started so we've got a lot of experience as far as the techs go in the shop but one of our favorite customers to help out is somebody that has no knowledge whatsoever about the sport so i know it can be intimidating um, like for me i don't know much about firearms it's intimidating for me to walk into a, a gun shop that does strictly guns and and because i don't know what i'm talking about i walk in and i'm like i have no idea what i want i just you know and, I, and yeah. so hopefully there's somebody there to help me but here at hit or miss don't be intimidated that it's a pro shop um you know all of our techs are super knowledgeable and we love helping out the, the customers that that are just getting started in the sport yeah, i think from me just coming here and everyone else has experienced hit or miss archery with neil um you don't it is intimidating when you first walk in but you feel very relaxed as soon as you start talking with one of you guys, um, I think it, for all the new guys out there that are wanting to get into it, it's not, yeah, intimidation goes away pretty quick. So, all right. Awesome. Well, guys, well, Thanks, thank guys. You. Thank you, Neil. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure you guys come down, visit uh, Hit or Miss Archery. They're on uh, Instagram as well and on uh, Facebook. So give them a like, a follow, um, comment, come join them down here at the shop, guys. So. Thank you once again for joining in with us. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Onyx Hunt. Know where you stand. Thanks. <laughs>